0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
0: Greetings, you've landed at the VUC, IP Communications and VoIP Community. We would like to thank SimWood.com for their support. SimWood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is from onsip.com. You can go to getonsip.com for a URL people can click to call you. We've been privileged over the last five years to be using the best conference bridge on the planet. Yes, I'm talking about ZipDX.com, full color, full featured, full HD conference bridge. Our website, vuc.me on the web, hosted by Bluehost.com. And our worldwide local rate dial-ins are from VoxBone.com.
2: Good morning, good afternoon, depending upon where you are. Welcome to VUC number 543, which features Big Blue Button. And uh, But before we get into that, I should like to uh, give a shout-out to a couple of events that we have that will be um, coming up shortly, uh, beginning with... Uh, TadHack, which is uh, in the middle of June, uh, focused on telecom developers and hacking telecom APIs. It's principally, um, the main event going to be in Lisbon, but in fact there are going to be events all around the world, so check out TadHack.com and you'll be able to uh, find out how you can join in. Um, following that, Chronologically, we have early August ClueCon, which is hosted by the group behind FreeSwitch. They will be presenting their latest and greatest, and we'll be talking about FreeSwitch this hour, I'm sure. Um, Their event is in Chicago. It is by developers for developers, and it is a good time, also educational. A little further down the year, Digium will be presenting Astracon, October 13th through 15th in Orlando, Florida. This is the premier event for the Asterisk user and developer community. Um, If you're at all in any way involved in the the Asterisk uh, space, this is the place to go. And so... Hi, I'm Michael Graves and I am stepping in for Randy, who is in Berlin with many of our regulars at Camellia World this week. There's a chance that Randy may join us, um, but bandwidth at conference is being what it is and also schedules and whatnot, it's not ro- really clear whether he'll make it or not. And I should like to say hello to Fred. Hi. Hi Michael. How are you doing Fred? Fred is project manager with Big Blue Button and he is in Ottawa, Canada. Now it's been a long time since we've seen you Fred and let's wind it back to the beginning for folks and actually um, take a look at you know what is Big Blue Button
1: anyway? So Big Blue Button is an open-source web conferencing system for online learning. Our goal is that every student with a web browser should have access to a high-quality online learning experience and that's what we intend to deliver with Bigfoot Button.
2: That's awesome. Now Mr. Samsung, thou art muted, um, coming off of ZipDX. Uh, incidentally, while we're here, anybody who's on ZipDX right now, um, if you want to pose a question uh, at some point down the stream, start Six to unmute yourself. But for the moment, we're going to uh, get back to a little bit more basics about uh, what is Big Blue Button, what's it do, and then we'll move on to a little
1: more about its its current uh, status. So, Fred, what do you got for us? Okay, so I thought just so that I didn't make any assumptions on what people knew or know about Big Blue Button, I have a couple slides I can share with you. Actually, a few, but I'm going to go through them quickly, and that will give everybody a pretty good update of where we've been doing for the project. It's, project's been in play for over six years now. It's almost seven years. So if you'd like, I can just share a couple slides for a few minutes, and then I'll probably just answer any questions folks have. Okay. Go right ahead. Okay. So I'm going to share my screen, and I'm just going to go to here, and I'm going to go view full screen. Okay, so I'll talk for the next probably 15-20 minutes, but I figure I can give you a pretty good update of the project. And for those of you that it saw the last time we presented in the UC was two years ago, so much as much good stuff has happened. So just a the background: uh, there is a strong trend for educational institutions to move towards online learning. Just some stats: there's about 4,500 degree-granting institutions in North America alone. About 25,000 secondary schools and that's just in the United States like there's there's a lot more worldwide and there's a huge benefit to students around the world who have access to online learning so with all markets you can ask well, what about open source solutions for doing the conferencing for online and that is what Big Blue Button. Uh, we designed it for and we've been developing it for and delivering it for so we believe every student with a web browser should have access to a high quality online learning experience and we intend to make that possible with Big Blue Button and BigBlueButton is open source. Code is available at GitHub. A little background, this project actually started in 2007 at Carleton University. We're based in Ottawa, Ontario where a lot of the development goes on. You can tell it's a university because they still have a traffic card. The three use cases we designed BigBlueButton for is one-to-one, sort of virtual office hours, tutoring, and then small group collaboration, which is kind of similar to this. You have a bunch of people getting together, they're sharing their webcams, everybody's talking, and then the traditional one-to-many and that's where a teacher is talking to students and the teacher could be the context of k-12 could be higher ed or corporate learning anytime you want to teach people online and you'll see in our project we say we recommend it for 50 users or less it's not hard-coded, there's actually more capacity there it's just as an open source project we like to be conservative and because we're Canadian we're by conservative by nature in terms of the capabilities of BigBlueButton, so there's a demo server online demo.bigbluebutton.org and anybody can go to at any time But we do the core of desktop sharing, audio video, slides and chat. The client is in Flash we use audio as of our last release. Uh, it's the WebRTC based audio so if you're on Firefox or Chrome you'll enjoy all the benefits of WebRTC based audio. If you're using Safari or IE it just uses seamlessly, seamlessly uses Flash couple of screenshots here's an example of a layout where you're sharing four HD webcams here's an example where you're sharing nine webcams and one of them is larger than the example of sharing nine more of a checkerboard and in BigBlueButton the data all goes through a central server the BigBlueButton server and it's recorded and for for pedagogic means this is important so if a student is unable to miss a cl- to attend a class wants to review it they can review it and we record all the content It's a synchronized playback of media, the video, the desktop sharing, the audio and the slides, and all the whiteboard marks come through as SVG. Uh, There's a thumbnail here in the chat. So you can do a lecture online, record it, students can access it later on. In terms of the project growth, you know, we're on Facebook, we have 4,000 likes, we have 2,500 Twitter followers. I always like to say it's all organic, no special preservatives. We didn't pay anybody to like us, we didn't pay anybody to follow us. Uh, the cool stuff that happens on GitHub, there's about almost 2,500 forks of the project now. It's a very active open source project. We have a developer mailing list as well, Google Groups, BigBlueButton, or, uh, BigBlueButton-Dev. I just checked recently, there's almost 2,000 members and lots of traffic through the months. We use Transifex for localization. The product is now localized into over 60 language languages, and about 90% of them have... Um, well, actually, there's about 20 here that have over 90% localization. Each time we get close to release, the community comes together, make sure that their local, their favorite language is localized, and we just pull from Transifex, and that does the localization for the client. We hold two developer summits each year, and it usually uh, bounces back and forth between Brazil, usually in Porto Alegre, and in Canada. So there's a, a number of universities down in Brazil that have really adopted Big Blue Button, and they've got some developers there who've been working on it for a number of years one of the projects Mconf technologies actually builds on top of big blue button so we go down there and we spend a week with their developers and then they come up here in ottawa and they spend a week with us and we've been doing this now this is we just held our sixth developer summit actually that says four it should say six <laughs> in terms of the project uh, big blue button has a core group of committers who have worked for many years in the project and unlike a project where you just have committers and you, you accept everything no in building a real time system that has sharing of audio and video you spend a lot of time on quality so there are three six people who are involved and richard alam he's the lead architect he's the person who initiated the project actually back in 2007 at carleton university in terms of adoption just some things uh, lot of universities universities and colleges use big blue button Darren Ricketts, University of West Scotland, on YouTube. He's got a testimonial. Um, very large universities use it. So here's the University of Florida. They're using BigBlueButton. Uh, another very large university, National University Online. You know, it's one thing to build a web conferencing system, but one of our measures for success is is it used? Do people actually use it? And is it adoption? And also not only adoption, but the support effort as well. So uh, Mariangi Duval the senior director of IT they had switched from a previous solution uh, which I won't mention but a previous commercial solution to an open source solution based on BigBlueButton and they said after switching their support tickets dropped from like 50 a month down to 6 or 7 and from my point of view from the product management point of view this is what we're trying to achieve I would love my goal is the adoption of BigBlueButton continues to increase and the support effort to support it or integrate it or extend it continues to drop some other uh, usage of it right now, as we speak, there's an online Moodle conference, iMood. Its t- hashtag is iMood15. You could take a look at it. And you can see all the tweets. It's a fully online Moodle conference. Two concurrent sessions running for I think, three and a half days, over 60 speakers. It's entirely done in BigBlueButton. So people have attended the Moodle courses. They go into the course. They join the session. They watch, just like we're doing here, but with BigBlueButton. And then it's recorded and it's available inside of Moodle afterwards. In the educational market space integrations there's a lot of existing systems, universities, colleges, schools, corporations would already have some system that they would like to integrate BigBlueButton with. So some very popular ones, so WordPress. So we do the WordPress integration and it's here the stats show it's over a thousand users in in use. We keep this up-to-date with every new version of WordPress. Sakai, uh, an LMS learning management system that's in use by many large Educational institutions. There's something called the Sakai meeting tool, we keep it up to date as well. And and I should say we. I actually wear my other hat is I'm involved in a company called Blindside Networks, and we're the company that started the Big Blue Button project. It originated at Carlton. We made it public. We maintain and manage the releases, and we also uh, update a lot of the open source integrations. So we just want the project to grow. So all members of the Big Blue Button community, the universities, the colleges, commercial companies, developers, and that can benefit from it. Other very large commercial LMS vendors: Schoology integrated BigBlueButton with their system. Canvas, which has grown remarkably over the last couple years in structure, integrates BigBlueButton with their system. They call it Canvas Conferences. And Moodle. Moodle is uh, probably one of the most well-known open-source web, con- web-, web open-source learning management systems. So there's plugins there that uh, I'm the co-developer of one of them last 12 months it's been downloaded over 105,000 times and I actually look at the stats you can see the the actual use of it, the number of sites using it it's about uh, 2700 now so this is just increasing as Moodle grows so do people look for a synchronous learning tool to complement the asynchronous and a lot of them are looking and using BigBlueButton okay so let's switch over to the techie side of it now just what is BigBlueButton in terms of the architecture simply put there's the front end uh, the client would fire up in Flash, and we're working on an HTML5 client, which I have a couple screenshots in a moment. There's a back end server that's built on RED5, an open source implementation of Adobe Flash Media Server. We use FreeSwitch for the audio, so the voice conferencing is taken care of by FreeSwitch. That includes the WebRTC audio. Redis is in there, we're recording all the content. So after a session's done, we record all the live content the webcams, the desktop sharing, the audio, the slides, the chat, the whiteboard images all that gets com- uh, recorded and then we have a process to take that and turn it into a playback format and then the- those playback files are visible through the API calls which are what the front-end applications use to create meetings join users and access the recordings. We just finished our 12th release call it .90 and we uh, I have a telephony background I used to work at a telecommunications company so for us my goal personally my goal in the project is stability is first. It's stability, usability, features, security, scalability in that order. So the last release we spent 11 months doing development and we finished it, and, uh, all the code was done and then we spent 6 months in beta testing. And that meant that we saw a lot of production use of big blue button. A lot of people realize our betas are actually pretty good and we just continue to improve it and improve it and fix bug after bug whatever we could do to make it solid and we just people ask us in our project when is the release date for BigBlueButton and our mantra is we release on quality not dates so we just tell people you can see you can sense when a release is coming as we move through our process so after six months of development we had a release candidate for us a release candidate is it's done everything is finished and all we do is change the label we put it out there for two weeks in our community no, no, uh, no responses in terms of any issues, and we're pretty sure we had the release in hand given the amount of beta testing, and then we released it on April 30th. So uh, that's all up on our website, BigBlueButton.org. You can see it. Lots of good documentation as well. Things that we're working on in the future release: we want to add polling to BigBlueButton. We want to add closed captioning, very important for students. You can't you know? We support screen readers with JAWS. We also want to support closed captioning. And there's some updates. We're improving the video doc. Um, adding more security to it, up the, API, uh, the uh, extend the API, and we also added webhooks so third-party applications could register things like tell me when a user joins the meeting or tell me when a meeting ends, and they'll get a callback on it. Again, we want to make it easy as possible to integrate with other systems. A couple screenshots of what the new video doc will look like. So if you're in the Button and you're sharing webcams, you can get some nice layouts of it. Here's an example of where it's just a single strip. Those are four independent videos being shown. And if you want to just focus the videos more than anything else, here's an example. And it will just checkerboard. I saw one instance where there were 21 webcams being shared in Big Blue Button. So there's no hard coded number on the webcams, just literally whatever bandwidth you have. And bandwidth is getting better over time. We're working on a polling module as well. I won't go into detail on that. This is sort of some things that we're working on for the next release. Let me talk about if I anticipate what people are going to say, it's like, hey, Big Blue Button's great. You guys seem to do a decent job of it. What about a non-flash version? So we've been working on an HTML5 client, a big blue button, for quite a while. Here's a screenshot of it. You can see that it looks much cleaner. And the idea is that for a first release, it will target uh, basically a student. The instructors are still going to use the desktop, the web client, but a student would be able to whip out their Android device. And the reason I say Android is we're building on top of WebRTC so that means Chrome or Firefox and that means WebRTC support and mobile is good on Android and not so good on iOS. I would love Apple to come out with a uh, WebRTC supported browser or allow the other browser manufacturers to, uh, to put their own uh, rendering engine inside but Apple does as Apple does. They seem to be getting very successful so you know. If there was a backlash from the community and said, hey, we really want to see a WebRTC support, or we're not buying um, an iPhone, then I think Apple would start to take more interest. But again, we're pragmatics. We do what works. We don't really, we, you know, we look at always improving the product, but we're pragmatics in terms of what what is the best solution today. We would say WebRTC is the best solution for audio, video, desktop. So our phase one for the HTML5 client is we're going to do two-way audio and chat be able to view the desktop sharing, view the presenter, advance the slides. In terms of the architecture, again just briefly, the HTML5 client, we basically are using um, Meteor with MongoDB to handle all the synchronization of clients and we've done a lot of refactoring in the BigBlueButton Button backend so that when a user comes in, whether they come in through a Flash client or an HTML5 client, it comes together in the BigBlueButton server, the audio is shared, they all see the same presentation, our, one of our goals is that the instructor never has to ask, "Can you see what I'm pointing at?" They would always see ex- the users would always see exactly what the instructor sees. So the upload presentations annotated and so on. The phase two our plans are to do two-way video, and again, we w- we're building on top of FreeSwitch. And as Michael alluded, there's lots of good things happening in the FreeSwitch project, which we look at building upon. free switch project rocks, by the way. We love it. And in the terms of the client, we'll just simply increase the capabilities of the html5 client adding more presentator whiteboard capabilities and then at some point we will get parity with the uh, the the uh, flash based client and at that point you know it's possible that we may just move to a full html5 client that is the direction we're headed in but there's a lot of people using BigBlueButton today students come in they don't really care what it is that they're running that's in uh, in so much as that they can have a really good high-quality online learning experience So today that's one technology we're moving to another and again we're very pragmatic about it with a very high threshold for the releases to make sure they're really stable. And the product roadmap so things that we're working on ahead breakout rooms, this is my product management hat on, shared whiteboard, synchronized video playback, shared notes and we're also working on a native iOS and Android client. Our focus right now though is on the HTML5 client We just think that's gonna probably have a bigger benefit to our community but we are also working on native iOS clients, so those in iOS could could bridge into a Big Blue button session. But you're going to see more on the HTML5 client in the near term. Other things that some of these are actually not hard to do, like emote icons, but we just focus on so many core things, like let's how can we improve the audio? How can we, you know, and we did so with WebRTC and the, the core features of the product. So some of these things like Emote icons, thumbnails for recordings, faster desktop sharing using WebRTC, full screen support, support for right to left -left languages, these are all things that are kind of like some of these percolate in the background and if they get far enough along we merge them in and then we make them as part of the next release. Last slide is we have uh, recently updated our documentation so we know how important it is for other developers to come and see API docs, overview docs, really good installation docs, and so on. So you'll find it at docs.bigluebutton.org. And that's what I wanted to cover. I wanted to give you as much as I could a quick update on where we are on the project, where we're headed, what we're working on, what our priorities are, how we've been managing the project, where we're headed next. And I would be more than happy to answer any questions folks have. Aha! Well, let's...
2: Get your camera back so we can see who we're talking to instead of looking at a screenshot of the rest of us. And uh, we'll open up the floor to questions, uh, both from the those folks who have joined the Hangout and also to folks from uh, ZipDX who are unmuted and have their audio back now for some time. Um, so my question would be, um, it's, it's, it's a non-technical question. It's not specific, but... Um, when last you we were here, the HTML5 client was, which is a little over two years ago. It was two years in March. The HTML5 client was an idea. I don't know that there was any code in place yet. But how? What was the experience like with that and and onboarding
1: WebRTC? How, what? All right. So tell I'll, us about I'll, that. I'll talk about WebRTC first. We went through a number of testing. First, we actually use Asterix for WebRTC because before FreeSwitch could support Asterix or sorry, FreeSwitch can support WebRTC, Asterix had it. So we actually put an Asterisk server in front of our FreeSwitch server. So if you install BigBlueButton you get a FreeSwitch uh, system in there and then we moved to the developer builds of FreeSwitch and then we built on top of it. So FreeSwitch gives us the WebRTC what we wanted to do was, uh, hey Ken what we wanted to do was uh, also make it seamless for users and the client so we needed uh, from flash to be able to basically tell the browser I need you to set up a WebRTC call so obviously that's SIP. So we did first we use SIPML then we use uh, JS SIP and then we moved to SIPJS and this is over a period of about a year and a half where FreeSwitch got really good supporting WebRTC the browsers they I mean they were evolving right we had examples where Oh Chrome or or Firefox 34 is out and they don't work with WebRTC okay well we'll just fix it and uh, but it was about a year and a half of effort and I'm very happy with the results because the users click the headset icon it'll underneath the hood determine if they're Firefox or Chrome and use WebRTC we bring them into an echo test first again this is free switch the echo test uh, audio and that lets them check to see that their mic is working going all the way to the server all the way back in the headphones and then they can join and we also uh, we also did a listen only mode where you can join a big blue button session and you're not actually sharing audio and there's a single channel that goes into the free switch server and then that's rebroadcast out to all the listen only with uh, uh, in big blue button so then uh, the HTML5 client so when we spoke two years ago we were probably already working on it we've been working on this for over two years we have rewritten it about three times along the way going from I think we used to use Backbone JS and then to Meteor I think we used to use Bootstrap now we're using Foundation and iterative design and again my philosophy is when people see it for the first time we want to have a good first experience but a lot of refactoring had to go in the back end because we had tied very closely to flash and the messaging so now a lot of the messages that get passed back and forth in the server are JSON based Uh, we we use Meteor to handle all the html5 clients and those html5 clients connect through SIP using SIP.js to free switch so the audio, is, the audio just fell out It's like we don't have to do anything with that because that's already well supported but a lot of work's been going into it we have a developer builds now of the html5 client that anybody can come to docs.begluebutton.org see it install it and they would be able to try out the latest builds and it's under active development hey Brian there are a few folks who, there's, we have a number of developers working full-time on the HTML5 client. And my goal is once we get the desktop sharing piece in play, uh, so that you can share your desktop in and BigBlueButton and the HTML5 clients would see it. Again, it goes back to you never have to ask the students, can you see what I'm looking at? Uh, then you're going to see an HTML5 client become part of the BigBlueButton core. And then we'll just continue to improve it as time goes on.
2: Cool, cool. And, and so, with all of this evolution, uh, has the rate of uptake and deployment increased? Do you, uh, do you have some? Yes. You know, yes. On the slides, I mean.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I go, to, I go to quite a few educational conferences. I have folks from universities call me up to me and say, We use Big Blue Button. And I would be like, Great, we've never spoken to you. Um, there are a number of commercial products, many of them I know of, that have embedded Big Blue Button or parts of Big Blue Button into their commercial offering. They would maybe be a voice conferencing uh, provider, and then they want to add web conferencing. We, with the um, improvements we added, with the benefit in WebRTC, with the localizations that we provide, with the growth in the community, we see an increasing adoption in Big Blue Button, both educational and both from developers who are embedding it inside their systems. And and how does this help you?
2: I mean, you're you're. Uh, do you have like a core user base that are you know basically. Funding the the project and ensuring that it carries on, or, or uh, yeah, how, what's, how does the how does the contributor base grow as the deployed base grows? Right.
1: Or in other words, how do we eat as we still work on Big Blue Button? Um, yeah. So I've watched other source open source projects, and I've watched them struggle where there's very passionate developers, but there's no business model behind it. And God love them, they put their heart and soul into it, but maybe there's no means for someone to pay, and they would pay for something. So uh, BigBlueButton has a small group of developers behind it. Many of them work at commercial companies, or all of them do. The company that started the BigBlueButton project, Blindside Networks, I'm the CEO of the company. So my goal, I wear the two hats. My goal is first build the BigBlueButton ecosystem. And then I turn around and op- we turn around and offer services and support to that ecosystem, as do other companies do. Uh, they're listed on the BigBlueButton.org website. And we earn money. There's no donation. There's no place you can donate to the Big Blue Button project. I think that's a silly way to run an open source project. Uh, we earn money by providing support and services, and so do other community, other members of the Big Blue Button ecosystem. Do the same, and we know there's commercial companies. I'll, I'll give you an example. Many times in the past, the commercial companies come to us and said, "Wow, this is actually pretty good. We'd like to build it into our product, and we need your help." And we'd say, "Great, we can provide you some professional services." And they would say, "Great, we want you to build this proprietary component for us, so we only we have it." And then we would say, uh, "No, that's not what we do. We will improve the Big Blue Button project for you, and you get to bend it in the terms of like if you think integration with other, um, other systems or uh, improvements to the whiteboard are important, those all go back in the open source project because everybody before you." When they contributed to the development, it all went to the open source project. So we're not going to just stop and suddenly we'll start doing proprietary stuff. We've actually, I don't think we've ever had a company walk away from us and say, well, no, we, we want that. We can always find a middle ground where we'll extend Big Blue in a means that gives them makes it very easy for them to build their proprietary component. So maybe there's an extra API call that gets made or something like that. But we earn money doing it. The, prod, the company builds around Big Blue They generate more revenue as well. And sometimes those turn into long-term support contracts. Um, if you uh, there's there's going to be an announcement coming out in the not in the near term that a very large government organization is actually saving a lot of money with Big Blue Button, and they've been building on top of it for about a year and a half now. And that that made me feel very good because I heard firsthand the story of how they downloaded Big Blue Button. And they're like, well let's try out an open source solution." You know, there's lots of commercial vendors out there, and it was like, "Hmm, this uh, this actually is not bad." This is our previous release, not the one we just released. And then they started building on it and reviewing it, and over time, they they decided to build a system upon BigBlueButton to replace a commercial system they were using, and uh, that was very satisfying. So, I I think Michael, we are at a point where. We have a really solid product, and I invite anybody to try it out. We have very clear ideas of where we want to go to. We have a business model that allows us to grow the, the company and it's an open source project where other people can benefit on it and we're six and a half years into it, and we are you know like I always used to joke either we're too stupid to know you know either we're really smart and we can figure this stuff out or we're just too stupid to know how difficult it is and we just kept banging against it and I think it's a combination of both so we see we continue to see good growth. Excellent,
2: excellent. And and uh, are you staying within your niche? I mean, the, the academia seems to be the focus. Uh, is that is that something that you intend to stay focused on and let others move into other directions, maybe building on it? Yeah. How, so I
1: this is my third company that I've uh, th- third with uh, my blindside networks head on. my third company I founded, co-founded, and. Uh, I learned a long time the necessary focus so here's here's how we look at it if we provide a really good solution for online learning k-12 universities corporate training and it covers the core audio video slides chat desktop sharing with record and playback integration then we can build a presence in that market and become a market leader in doing so we're obviously solving the same types of problems collaborative problems in other markets it's just different context but our focus, our product, mar- our product design is based around online learning. How can we provide that remote student a high-quality online learning experience? So our intent is to continue to focus, and we see lots of companies taking Big Blue Button and applying it to other areas, which I think is awesome. I mean, we can't do everything. So do you do lots of things and none of them very well, or do you focus on one market, be successful, and then obviously grow from that market? So that is our strategy.
2: Excellent, excellent, and. Um Let's see, we have quite a panel before us now. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. You guys are all muted. You want to step in and, and uh, pose, pose your questions, make your comments, uh, state your observations. Your Go right ahead, sir.
3: All right, so just. Um, you said it's based on free switch. So does that mean you can also um, join these sessions from, not from the web, but for example,
2: from a hard phone or other devices?
1: Yes. We we know companies that provide hosting for Big Blue Button, and they provide dial-in numbers as well. So, you know, the, the great thing about it is the WebRTC is freeing amazing. Like again, the Moodle conference that's going on right now using Big Blue Button. They have presenters all over the world, Denmark, Australia, South America, Canada, all these far flung places, and the uh, the quality the quality is amazing. So, I, I it, but it's great that FreeSwitch, it's great the it's great I mean we're very much pleased with the choice of building on top of FreeSwitch because it provides the option of providing the dial-in numbers, but we just see them use less and less because the, the WebRTC-based audio is just so good.: Go ahead, Brian.
3: So um, you, you did notice we released FreeSwitch 1.6 yesterday, which is the video branch. Um, when can we uh, expect to see some of those uh, new enhancements integrated into Big Blue Button?
1: Man, we're working on it now. Uh, what we're going to do first is, for us, the desktop sharing we use Java for desktop sharing, and again, we're pragmatic as it works, but we really want to use WebRTC. So the first goal is, can we just use uh, Free the video and free switch to support WebRTC-based desktop sharing? And because you're getting you got, uh, VLC in there, and you can set it an RTMP stream, that's what basically we're wiring up right now. And then the next bit would be is we would then use it for the video. So obviously if you're on an Android tablet you're going to share the video through WebRTC, our Flash client would share the video through WebRTC, we get back that beautiful multiplexed view that you've got and now we've got parity between both the HTML5 users and the Flash users. So that's kind of the two step that we're working on and we're working on it right now. If I picked up the laptop and walked into the next room I could show you the developers who are working on it but yeah, like uh, we think we made the right choice, by far, building on top of FreeSwitch. So just when we needed more video, you guys have been working away at it.
3: Um, so are you going to be making it to KluCon this year?
1: I have camping with my family at that point, and I have a, hier- I have a hierarchy of needs. <laughs> uh, so I, I cannot go. I think we're going to be more visible in the, on the weekly calls and maybe more one-on-one, but I'm not sure if anyone's going to be able to make it, the, just because of how the schedule works. So, uh, we've got to figure something out, but we actually may not be there, but we are working with it full-time, Brian.
3: You
2: guys should be aware that uh, in the last couple days we checked in full RTMP video support as well. Nice, nice. So, um, and also, VLC will do the RTMP streaming, but you should look at the A V way, it looks like it's more stable and less heavy
1: than the VLC one. Cool. I'll let you guys know. Okay. That's the piece that we needed because it gets us right back into the video. Uh, so other users who are Flash-based see it through RTMP. Other users who are HTML5-based see it through WebRTC. And uh, that's what we want to achieve. Great, guys. Good work to you.
3: Awesome.
2: All right, any further questions, particularly anybody coming out of ZipDX, star six to unmute yourself if you're interested. Um, if I wanted to spin something up just to play with, uh, is there a VM I could grab or do I have to do it piecemeal or what's the install process look like?
1: So uh, we actually had a VM for the last release. I'm, I'm still on the fence whether to do a VM for this release just because we it's so easy now to spin up a, a, a clean Ubuntu 14.04 server and then there's a couple steps we have in the documentation. And you know, you take about the way we like to say the Big Blue Button is: we guarantee that you can install Big Blue Button on your system in half an hour or less, or we give you your money back. Ha! Uh-huh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Very similar to our double your money back.
1: There you go. Exactly. You know, like what other open source projects give you this level of guarantee? Really? I mean, so. <laughs> It wouldn't take you too long to set it up. It's a kind of satisfying experience. I, there's a video online. If you Google YouTube, like, install BigBlueButton, uh, I did a video where I literally just started to capture my screen and walked through the entire installation step by step. So watch that, do it on your own system. You should have a BigBlueButton server up and running shortly.
2: Is there much environmental variability on it? Does it, does it, does it vary from, from site to site or district to district?
1: We only support, actually. Uh, that was Ubuntu 14.04 64-bit so again we actually years ago used to do a CentOS version took us about two months to develop it, test it and so on And at that point we were like you know do we want quality or do we want quantity? Do we want money distributions or do we want a really good so we would just recommend you do Ubuntu 14.04 64-bit we're looking at other distributions in the future but that's the one you would do follow the instructions and again you should have it running in 30 minutes and then you've got full web conferencing system pick your favorite front-end WordPress, Moodle, Sakai or build one with the API examples that we built in with the with the distribution or go through the developer docs there only are about 12 API calls create a meeting, end a meeting, join a meeting get meeting info, um, get the recordings uh, get meetings, get meeting info, get the recordings, publish a recording delete a recording those are pretty much it, and it's it's pretty simple uh, HTTP-based API.
3: Okay, if you have a question on ZipTX, I saw
0: you open up. Yeah. Go right yeah. ahead.
3: Yeah, I was just wondering about um, uh, two things, actually. System requirements was, one, what what kind of server uh, for, I mean, do you have like a baseline uh, requirements as far as, you know, up to 10 users or something like that. And also, um, I forgot what the other question was, so you can answer that one.
1: <laughs> okay, so the, the, the installation documentation lists sort of the baseline. I mean, in broad strokes we recommend a quad-core okay. server, at least 4 gig of memory, uh, Ubuntu uh, 14.04, 64-bit, 100 megabits symmetrical bandwidth, you know, you you want to have bandwidth to your Big Blue Button server. And, and then, actually, and you always recommend a dedicated server. And partly that's and I can throw this out to the FreeSwitch folks, partly because we we believe that FreeSwitch runs better on dedicated hardware because of the hardware timer. So uh, we know people lots of people run it on Amazon. We always recommend if you're gonna use a Big button server in production, partly because of FreeSwitch and the efficiencies of it, run it on a dedicated server. But I'd be interested uh, Brian or Ken, are you guys thoughts? Like would you still recommend running free switch on dedicated hardware over virtual machines?
3: Uh, bare metal is preferred. Yeah. If you want it to if you want to have performance, it is it is preferred.
1: Yeah. So we we basically echo that because the free switch is t- free switch is taking care of all the uh, the audio and soon to be more of the video. Uh, but we do know people if you're gonna test it, spin it up on an EC two instance or you know, rackspace or anything and just install it. And uh, I know lots of people who use it on virtual environments. And the ultimate is, you know, does it does does it do what you want it to do? Um, the other question you're probably going to ask is, well, how many ser- how many users could my server support? And we'll take guidance again from the FreeSwitch project in that we don't answer that question. We encourage you to test your server and determine how much your server will support. Um, but there's no hard-coded numbers in BigBlueButton that says, you know, it can't go above a certain user. You know, 21 webcams being shared, I've seen lots of meetings larger than 50. We have um, the one-way audio now, so it even reduces the CPU load uh, for mixing the audio. Um, I would not recommend using BigBlueButton for a webinar, like, I'll have a thousand users. By design, we did not design BigBlueButton to be webinar application. If you want to do webinar, that's easy. You should have one person sharing their webcam and one person sharing their audio and you just stream it through a content distribution network. If you want to have twenty people together all sharing their webcams, all talking at the same time, that's a harder problem to solve, but it's the one where you get the larger use cases. The the tip of the pyramid in terms of large number of users is a very tiny tip. Most classes that we see are of the average class size is about 12 users. So if you have a server that you know good hardware and bandwidth and you know you're getting uh, more than much more than that in terms of the class you have something that you can build an online distance education program around.
2: It's quite a different question too not, not just what um, what kind of load will my server support but what kind of load will my available bandwidth support. Um, presumably yeah. there are handles to adjust or control this.
1: So we, we try to tune the big blue button server so pretty much out of the box it's it's ready there's no there's no real dials to pull you can tweak the underlying components you could tweak free switch and so on but you don't No one. I don't know that anybody really does that very much um, in terms of bandwidth you know think of what WebRTC audio uses probably uh, seven 10 kilobits a second uh, or maybe uh, I'm trying to think of you I always have to go between uh, bytes and kilobits let's call, let's call it 40 kilobits a second actually you guys uh, can or Brian, what would, a, what would the average WebRTC audio stream use? Um, it's about the same
3: as a ULog call uh, with Opus. Right. Maybe
1: so, 64K. Yeah, with,
3: with overhead, you're probably in the 80 to 90 mark.
1: Okay. So I know our video takes about, let's say, 300 kilobits a second. The audio takes about, let's call it, 100 kilobits at worst. You know, we recommend for using BigBlueButton the, the, the users have... megabits upstream and 1 megabits downstream. So it's in our docs, but that gets you sharing your audio, sharing your video, and you're looking at other audio and video as well. I mean, usually users have like a 10 to 1 ratio. They have, you know, 1 megabits up, but 10 megabits down. So the real one is their megabits is up. And in terms of just making sure they have a good user experience, people would ask, well, what's better, wired or wireless connection? If I'm on my laptop and I want to participate in the session, well obviously wired is better wireless networks are you know decent I wouldn't recommend trying to teach an online class from Starbucks uh, Starbucks is good by the way but I just use them as an example and the uh, you know the bandwidth is to your server just as much bandwidth as you can get we've ha- we had people who this is this is less now but over the years we had people who were like you know my my server seems to be throb- you know, only supporting the X number of users and find out they have it on a 10 megabits connection no, you really want 100 megabits and if you're going to do a large number of users more bandwidth. It's it's not hard to get a server these days that has a dedicated server that has 100 megabits symmetrical or more.
2: Sure. Incidentally that lesson of, of uh, wireless versus wired um, wireless or Wi-Fi seems to be pervasive it's everywhere and it's it's coming into the collective consciousness as, as it's just there like air um, yeah. and yet you know, you can't, it really can't be relied upon if, if you're the teacher, if you're the presenter in a webinar or some, something, this, this sort of thing, um, and you're doing it you know, over Wi-Fi that you don't own, you know, if you're at a Starbucks or a public lo- place right. or a hotel or something like that, um, you're inviting disaster. Um, yeah. That said, my wife hates wires, but we still have a lot <laughs> of them, and and, and, and wires don't, hiccup or fail or get shared in the ways that Wi-Fi do. So we
1: we like Wi-Fi a lot. I mean we always say, look, if you're going to teach a class online with 50 students, you know, give the students a chance to set, set themselves up ahead of time. You know, make sure the instructor is well prepared, they're using, they've had a chance to test it from their computer, from their bandwidth, whatever location they're using. And like if a student can't hear or whatever or, you know, don't freak out. Like it's just, you're doing it online. You know, they can refresh their browser, there's a recording you have 50 people from different browsers different computers different network locations so I think if people realize that yeah like this is pretty good you know where I'm able to to teach my students online in a way that was wasn't possible uh, not too many short years ago and the thing is the trend is getting better wireless gets better bandwidth we were talking before the call about you know how the bandwidth has just gotten better better over the years so we see the infrastructure getting better we see computers getting cheaper we see it easier to spin up instances and use something like Big Blue Button, and I think the trend is in the right way. And, you know, with, with the work that we're doing in the HTML5 client and later on a mobile client, we see lots more people, I think, just going to try the project out.
2: What, what does a mobile client mean for you guys? Is it, is it kind of like a captive browser uh, thing? Uh, is that sort of the core of it, or is it going to be something more evolved than that?
1: Um, So right now we're thinking very much on HTML5 client, and that will be launched from a browser, runs in the browser, a mobile client. Adobe does provide tools to take an HTML, uh, a Flash application and cross-compile it on Android and iOS, and it actually does a pretty good job. So we're looking hard at that because if we can do that, we can share a lot of functionality. We don't have to rewrite a lot of code. And in the end, we're pragmatists, right? The users don't care when they launch that Android app or the iOS app, just want it to work. So we can see some good progress in the HTML5 client and there's already a developer release out there that if folks want, just go to BigBlueButton.org and click on Docs and you'll see all the documentation with links to it and there will be work on a mobile client. And we can imagine ourselves at some point writing um, a mobile client, you know, natively instead of cross compiling it I would just love to see a really good WebRTC-based browser on iOS. That would make me very happy.
2: I think you're not alone in that. I think yeah. a lot of people <laughs> would like to see Web, but that's that's kind of one of the reasons one of the reasons why I ask whether because a, a lot of apps it seems are really just a captive browser there, you know, a browser that's their a browser core with a UI wrapped around it that. Uh, the, Tim if it works, app if it works, yeah. Like
1: we don't want to we don't want to rewrite Big Blue Button just for one platform. I mean, if we have to do it, we'll do it. Damn it. But we would rather just uh, you know leverage as much as we can so that the most amount of users have a really good user experience. And you know we'll we'll do what we got to do. Uh, HTML5 first, uh, iOS second. That's just the pragmatic pragmatic approach to it.
2: Oh, the question comes up out of IRC. What about Bowser? Does Bowser work with
1: Big Blue Button? Mm, I know of it. In fact, we were kind of, we, we poked at it every now and then. It's probably due for us to take another look at it. I, I don't have an answer to that. I'd have to try it out. It, it does not work. And if you compile it from source,
3: if you can, um, that doesn't work either.
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay. Oh, you just save me some time, <clears throat> Ryan. Thanks.
3: It was definitely
2: an ordeal. I I when I looked at Bowser when when the folks from Ericsson made a guest appearance here and I tried to to use a few things that I was familiar with with it, I couldn't get any of them to work I thought okay it's there's some magic to this that I don't have I, I'm glad that it didn't work for you as well because at least I'm not being that much of an idiot
1: yeah like if anybody here on this call has some really good insight on how to get uh, an HTML based Application that uses WebRTC to run on iOS. I would love to talk to them. Uh, All I think right. Some coyotes in the background. The silence was deafening.
3: <laughs> I don't think you're alone in that request. Uh,
2: we. I just got an IM from Randy, who may try and join us momentarily from Berlin, Camello World. Uh, ten minutes to the top of the hour so um, this is this is all very interesting I may yet have to spin up uh, an instance of this to play with it Um, my particular angle on it would be wanting to add multiple audio channels in support of multiple languages and interpretation on the fly Um, that's a sort of a a ZipDX specialty
1: Um, we're not far away like so closed captioning for us will be multi-language so we have the front end and back end so the idea is that uh, a cartographer or a stenographer could come in It's quite a channel, other users could subscribe to it, and they would see the closed captioning for English or French. And it's not too far away to just say, well, we have other audio channels. And FreeSwitch provides some nice capabilities, which we haven't yet built on in that area. But yeah, maybe, Michael, you you see something and other people want to jump in and help out.
2: Cool. Hey, Randy, trying to join.
1: I don't know. <laughs> I'll wait till Fred's done. Oh, no, Go ahead. I'm I'm just answering questions.
2: How about anybody else in the free switch team? We don't. We seldom get so many free switchers into the Hangout like this. I Where was about
0: that. <laughs> Got a late start, I guess, though, you know? How's everything in Berlin? It's wonderful. Uh, I didn't want to interrupt Fred because I wanted to tell you a little bit about uh, what went on. Uh, we had a great time. It's just finished, you know. I'm dead, as you can see by looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how how was the wine? No wine. No because, wine? Yeah, because carry on luggage only. Oh. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. Of course, if I was going to Klucon,
3: <laughs> might... that, would, that would be fine. Yeah, yeah. You were drinking pink drinks with JB.
0: No, no, that's not my
2: <laughs> thing. Be... tell you what, gentlemen. Why don't we wrap up this public part of this, and we'll uh, we'll let YouTube go munch on it, and then uh, we can come back and and uh, chat with Randy and others. And so, thank you, Fred. It was wow. nice to catch up. You remind me that I need to pay more attention to things that you guys are doing up there. You also remind me that um, I kind of miss my. Uh, uh, Canadian roots a bit.
1: <laughs> You're welcome to come back anytime. Okay. Eh?
2: <laughs> All right, folks. We will not have an extra today, so we'll just wind it down and be right back.
0: Hey, that was the bleeding edge of the IP communications and VoIP community. We're at VUC.me on the web. Thanks to Simwood.com, who can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is provided by OnSip.com. The site at VUC.me is on Bluehost.com. We use ZipDX.com for our wideband, full-featured conference bridge. And our local rate dial-ins are from VoxBone.com. Every Friday, 12 noon Eastern Time, see you next week.